Hey you. Whoa, didn't expect to see you here. Thanks so much for being curious enough to check us out. You're about to gift your ears the soothing, sensational and seductive sounds of the Story Network podcast. But before I jump into the emotive and inspirational introduction, I actually just want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in and then welcome you to the Story Network community. So thank you and welcome. Now, let's roll that intro. Hit it. This is the emotive and inspirational introduction to the Story Network podcast. My name is Zed Hopkins and it is my job to inspire connection, collaboration and creation through open and honest conversation. So let's put our lives aside for a moment, connect heart to heart, mind to mind, share with each other, learn from each other and inspire each other to be more, to feel more and experience more. 7.54 billion stories on one earth. We are the Story Network, and this is the Story Network Podcast. Woo! The Story Network, let's do it! Hello and welcome back to the Story Network Podcast. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Josephat Reynoso, a theatrical designer originally from Mexico, now based in the United States. This is one of my favorite conversations I've had thus far on the podcast, and we chat about everything from starting out his career in Mexico, to traveling the world to find opportunities, to eventually moving to the US and starting to build connections in the industry. We really dove into the practical steps and processes that he sought out and implemented in his early stages of his career. And then we start to talk about the future of theater and what he sees as being essential for young artists, young theater creators, and creators in general, who are looking to start to build a career now in this era. So it's a really wide ranging, exciting conversation. And I know that if you're a young creative out there or a young theater maker, this podcast is not only going to inspire you, but it's going to give you practical, tangible tools that you can start to implement in building your career. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging podcast with Josephat Reynoso. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Story Network podcast. Uh, today, I am with Josephat Reynoso. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so great to connect and, and to finally sort of see your face. How are you doing? Fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for the invitation. Hope you're doing fine, too. Yeah, rock on. Well, I thought just to get us started, um, if you could just give us a bit of a summary of, of your story. So you're currently a scenic designer. You're also a professor. Mm -hmm. Um, where, where did you begin this journey and, and sort of what are the key points in your life that have led you to where you are today? Okay. Uh, well, my story goes way back before I started making theater. Uh, I, I, I was never part of an artistic family. You know, I had no, no artistic inclinations or, or, uh, well, interest for that matter. Uh, when I was back in high school, when I was about to start high school, what would it be high school uh, back in Mexico, where I'm originally from, uh, there, was, there was this huge economic crisis and I, I had to leave school 
So in order for me not to stop studying altogether, I, I, I started going to a vocational school, which is basically like a, a, just the same idea of a high school, but you also learn a trade, right? So in this, in this uh, school, I actually started learning carpentry. Carpentry was my first uh, uh, approach, right? To materials, to building, to anything that was remotely structural. So after that, I, 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 got a, I, I went into the second part of high school, as it were, uh, uh, in, again, it's, it's a division that exists in Mexico, not necessarily here in the States. Um, and uh, I, I joined a theater club for the first time. I was probably all of 16, 15 at the time. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I never heard of theater. I never actually, you know, set foot in a theater. I never, never actually watched a play before. But when I first got there, uh, it turned out that I was the only guy who knew how to build anything, right? So, so my skill set all of a sudden became relevant, and uh, uh, and there was there was people who appreciated, right? And uh, and uh, and it I could I could add something to to the production. So I quickly, you know, started just just uh, uh, getting involved with the theater world. I started reading a lot about scenic design, about scenic designers, particularly in Mexico, but also internationally. Uh, and uh, so it just, it just went from there. You know, uh, um, when I finished high school and I went into college, I started uh, computer science because I was really, really afraid to just pursue theater full on. And uh, after three years of doing a very mediocre job as, a, as, a, as an engineer, I just decided to stop lying to myself and I, and I, and I went to, uh, uh, to college for uh, sonography. So I, I went full on for that. Uh, uh, I finished college. I, I was actually, uh, uh, I had the opportunity to represent Mexico in, in the Prague Quadrennial back in Senofest when, when it was a thing that was you know, merged together. Uh, so me and a, and a friend of mine, we designed a pavilion, the national pavilion. So we, we got to travel. And for the first time, I actually got like caught a glimpse of, uh, what design looked like around the world. And it was really exciting for me. It was, it was really this cathartic moment where, uh, uh, I got to find my community for the first time, you know? So, so all of a sudden I wasn't, I wasn't the, the weird guy who liked to do this weird thing that nobody knew about, right? But actually I was part of, of something bigger. And, and, and I realized there was a lot of people that were really passionate about this thing that I, that I just learned that I could do, right? Uh, so so that, was, that, was, that was definitely a, a turning point for me. I started pursuing a lot of uh, uh, opportunities, international opportunities. Uh, of course, not all of them were big and not all of them were paid but I just wanted to get out there. I just wanted to be, you know, uh, uh, designing and, and building sets around the world as much as possible. And uh, I went on for a while. Uh, uh, I started my own uh, stu uh, studio in, in, uh, back in Mexico, but it actually didn't work out. Uh, so then I got involved with film and that didn't work out either. Uh, and then the opportunity to start uh, uh, a master's degree uh, arose in the States, I never even considered, you know, pursuing that opportunity, but I, I ended up, you know, sending my portfolio without much expectation. 
and I actually got, a, uh, uh, you know, I got accepted to the program. And so I traveled to the States, that was eight years, almost nine years ago, and uh, studied my, my uh, you know, my master's degree. I got my master's in, in, in theater and scenic design. And I started working my way, you know, elbowing my way through the American market, trying to get my name out there. Uh, of course, I, I didn't know anybody and nobody know, knew me, you know, uh, uh, so, so I started building my network again from, from, uh, from the ground up. Uh, after uh, I got my master's degree, after a, a couple of years, I actually got a chance to start teaching, uh, which I've done before in Mexico. So it was, it was a welcome opportunity to, to mix this too, right? To be able to, uh, uh, to teach and to, uh, to keep on designing as a freelancer. Uh, and that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last uh, uh, eight years or so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. There's so many, there's so many interesting things there. Like, like one, one of the things that stands out to me is, is you were talking about that period of time where you were looking for international opportunities and, you know, it didn't really matter if they were paid or not, but you were just looking right. to like do this thing that you discovered a passion for. Was that like, how did you manage then the that balance of like pursuing a passion but also needing to make money because i know for a lot of you know young artists especially looking at to go into theater you know I, I i definitely resonate with with the looking at trying to do uh computer science and then realizing no i need to chase my passion how what was that transition like for you and how did you go about that mindset shift to be like i'm just going to do this because i love it and trust right. that it comes together well, uh, trust is definitely the, the word. I mean, it's, it's a leap of faith. I guess for every theater artist, for every uh, scenic designer, costume designer, lighting designer out there, there's always this, this turning point where you just, just jump into the void and, and you, know, you hope for the best. And sometimes you land that and sometimes you don't. Uh, there's a lot of people that try, you know, get into theater and they just end up just giving up and, and go for something else. Uh, but... Uh, it's 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 a hard balance. I mean, I don't I don't know that I that I was actually able to afford it uh, uh, at first. There was a lot of you know uh, uh, precarious situations. There was a lot of, of uh, uh, you know uh, crashing on 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 some friend's couch or just staying here and there, uh, uh, traveling to this really far away place by bus instead of you know by airplane. So just just taking the opportunities as they as they presented, you know, never saying no. That was that was that was my thing. I, I didn't want to say no to anything. I wanted to design everything and as much and as fast and as good as possible. I always had this mentality that my next design had to be my best design, right? Because because I wanted to. I, I was really hungry uh, uh, for making my mark on 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 the theater world. Uh, so. Again, I can I can really say I remember, for example, there was this time where I thought I really could balance both out, and I started working at a telemarketing place, and it was the most Kafkaesque place I've ever worked in my life. And I worked there for like a week, right? No, like no, not, not a week, probably like a month. And uh, uh, apparently, um, at the same time, I was I was creating this design. It was probably my second on design and I was actually building it too so I was building it and, and, and designing on the weekends and on the weekdays I was actually working on a term marketing place 
uh, but we were nearing opening night. So I just took a couple of days off from work and I just, just spent them in the, in the shop, you know, working with the actors, painting the set, uh, uh, building benches and whatever. And I remember they called me one morning and they said, hey, are you going to come back to work or what? You know, like, like we're cool if you come back and you, you know, keep your head low and, and just work. We aren't going to take this against you. Just come back and work, right? And I remember, you know, having the phone in my hand and looking at the shop and, and seeing how this whole thing came together. And I just said uh, uh, to, the, to the HR person or whoever was calling me, I said, you know what? I got a better, I got a better offer. Thank you. Bye. And I never, and I never looked back, you know, it was, it was like, this is my thing. If I'm going to, if I'm going to starve doing it, then so be it, because that, that's it. I cannot do anything else. Yeah. Wow. That, that is like such a, like empowering and exciting story. Like I'm in my seat now, just sort of like revved up by this, <laughs> but it, it, it makes me think like I, cause this is something I've been sort of like sort of reckoning with a lot like especially because you know my like ever since I was young like financial stability has been something that I've like always wanted in my life because I've experienced like growing up without it and and so then you know when I got the opportunity to go over to the U.S. and study at college I was like oh this is a chance for me to like you know like exactly that like have my mark I know I love theater I know I love art and creativity but I also want to like be at the same time building stuff that brings me an income so I've got that stability right but but it's almost like to be great and to have your mark in, in in the arts and stuff sometimes you actually need to give yourself that full surrender and release into it and just like give it your all and know like I think one of the biggest things I think especially from the conversations I've had with young people and I'd be interested you know, to hear your perspective on this as well as someone who's sort of a few years ahead of us is that it's actually a long-term game. Like we're running a marathon, not a sprint. And I think sometimes, especially with, with social media and these, you know, kids who get picked up on the street and become celebrity and big stars that, that it's like, Oh, I need to be successful now. You know, right. like, I need to be like where Hugh Jackman is in his career now because he was as successful as he, as he is now, like at my age, like, no, it's like, we're playing a long-term game. It's about putting in the reps. It's about like doing what you love and doing it because you love it. And, and, you know, coming back to that word of trust, you know, trusting that if, if I, you know, put in this energy and if I keep working at this, that I'm going to get better and that I'll be able to have my mark longer term is, is that kind of a mindset that you resonate with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And, and you're, you're totally right that it's a, it's a long-term race, right? It's definitely, it, it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of just waiting out the storm. I mean, and, 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 and that is something I've been reflecting on a lot lately because of the situation we're all in now. Uh, uh, but it's, they're, they're, as a young artist, you, you know it's going to be tough but you're at the same time not ready for, for the real tough times. You know, like, like, you know it's gonna get tough, but you don't know how tough it's gonna get. And it's always easier to conceptualize it than it is to actually live it. So when, when these times come, right? And, and I don't even mean hunger or living in a small apartment. I mean, the times where, you, where you're really putting in the work and nothing seems to happen, you know, when, when you keep bringing your designs on time and, and coming up with great ideas, 
but but nothing seems to resonate. The, the people aren't actually taking it. New peers aren't calling you. Uh, you're throwing resumes everywhere and nothing seems to come back, right? So, so uh, that endurance is, is really key. And, and, and that ability to trust the, the dream in a sense, you know, to say, this is what I want to do and it's going to take time and it's going to take effort and, and I'm going to be disappointed. But I got I to stick with it. You know, you just got to you just got to stick with it and, and, and let it let it happen. It's a very slow cooking process. And you're absolutely right. It's it's very discouraging in a sense. Right. It's discouraging because it's very inspiring to see this great work. And it still happens to me. You know, I, I see uh, uh, the, the designs are they're building at La Scala in, in Milan. And I'm like, man, why can I be doing that? I want to be doing that. You know, I want to be working with this, with this ginormous structures and, and turntables and, and flying pieces and new technologies. But the, the fact that matters is that even those people that you're seeing there got there through the same journey. You know, you, you have to respect the journey. You have to respect this idea of, of the slow cooking process you cannot just compare yourself to Hugh Jackman, right? And say yeah. uh, uh, I, I, that he's there. Why can I be there? Well, because there's, there's a whole story behind it, right? And there's a bunch of, of opportunities that got taken and a lot of failures and a lot of uh, uh, patience that had to be put into that particular story in order to get to where he is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it, isn't it? Is, is that it's, it's, I think like maybe it's shifting as well. It's like having a vision for where you want to go. Like, like knowing like, oh, one day I want to be working with these big structures, the new technology, the turntables. But right now, all I can do is execute on, on the next step. Like what is the next project, the next thing that I can work on? And I'm going to give that everything I have. And, and, and I think like maybe that, you know, like for a lot of like the young people listening, and, and this is something that, you know, I've been reflecting on as well is like, like, exact going back to your idea about you know not saying no to things like taking on the projects that you have in front of you and doing the best you possibly can on them and then knowing that like then the next project is going to come like you start to build momentum but you can't then just skip all of the failures and the mini successes and then the big failures and then the big successes to get to that big end point it's all part of that process um and and i think in a way it's it's about flexibility it's about like being flexible with where you're at right now right. and and that kind of sort of makes me think you know you you brought up failure there um I'm, I'm wondering maybe as you look back on your career to where you are now are, are there failures that that maybe you've had that at the time were a failure but that they actually set you up for later success because of maybe the lessons you learned or the people you met like what what is your relationship with failure well Failure is always relative, you know, uh, Americans have this saying, uh, uh, this expression of blessing in disguise. Uh, so there, there's definitely some, some, something about that. Uh, I can tell you, for example, when I, when I started studying carpentry, I thought that was a failure. I honestly thought that was, that was a low point in my life because I had to, you know, drop out of the school that I've been going to for, for my whole childhood. Uh, but it, it ended up becoming the basis for my whole future, you know, for, for, for discovering my career, for finding my place in that community. So 
I guess a failure is, is, is a failure just based on where you're looking at it from. You know, if in the long run, all the failures become learning experience, not, not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them become learning experiences that when you look at them, you know, uh, uh, in the past, you, you can see what you got from them. You can see what you learned from them. They always feel catastrophic at the moment. You know, I, I remember this, this huge musical that I made. I was very excited because it was, it was a huge contract and it was my, my very big, you know, musical in a big theater. Uh, and then when I got there, it was, it was a bunch of people that had never done theater before. And I don't mean it in the, in the you know, oh, they were young and, and, and expert. It was, it was a bunch of people that just wanted to make money. It was a bunch of people that just wanted to, you know, make a money grab out of it. So, so they weren't interested in, in, in the art of it. They weren't interested in, in, in the, uh, the essence of it. They just wanted it to look big and, and to look colorful and they want to spend two pennies on it. So looking back on it, you know, it was like, ugh, that was, that was a really bad design, you know, because the whole process was very accidental and because they weren't interested in, in, in creating a, a great uh, product. Uh, so in that regard, I can say that is a, that is a failure, but it also taught me, you know, that is one, what is probably one of the most important lessons I've learned in my career. And, and it's actually something that uh, uh, a mentor of mine told me once in, in, a, in, a, in a judging session where I actually lost uh, in a contest. And he told me, you gotta pursue people, not theaters. You gotta pursue the, the, the people, uh, you, gotta, you gotta get in contact with the people that are making the theater you wanna make. It's not about the moving structures and it's not about you know, the, 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 the four lifts that change the scenery and it's not about electrified patterns. It's about who you are connecting with. It's about this, this, this emotional and human and very deep narrative connection that you have with the director and with the rest of the creatives and, and finding your team and finding your community. And I don't, I don't mean you know, find a person and work with them forever what I do mean, learn who you are, what your style is, what the theater that you want to make is. Not everybody is going to be making those big structures, but not everybody wants to make those big structures, right? Uh, uh, I, I'm very passionate about device pieces and experimental theater and super minimal uh, scenery, even though I make a lot of like, really big realistic sets. Uh, but when I get to work with those people, I really feel like my style is flourishing, you know, like, like my, my work is advancing leaps, uh, 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 contrary to, you know, when I get to do, you know, uh, the small house, the architectural reproduction and, and whatnot, no matter how big it is and no matter how, how big the budget is. Does that make yeah, sense? Well yeah, no, that does. Like that, that is such a like pivotal point and something that I want to sort of like reiterate and emphasize because I think, I think sometimes there is a, also a tendency to, you know, like we're always looking for inspiration for people who inspire us, for people who we aspire to be like, 
but the truth is is that we can be inspired by them but we can't like aspire to be exactly like them because our like creative gift like our creative talent is our uniqueness is the things that light us up you know and and i share a similar thing like I am also really, really passionate about devised theater, about collaborative creative processes, about, you know, how do we actually tell people stories and have their stories interweave and create art through a process? Um, and, and there's definitely been times where I'm like, oh, but like maybe it'd be easier just to like do sort of like a run of the mill show, just like a straight thing. But right. it's like, no, but that doesn't light me up. Like, I think, I think deep down, we know those projects that light us up. Right. And, and sometimes they're more risky, you know, sometimes they, they, they fail miserably and it, and it is like a failure, but I think you're, it's, it's like, you're better off falling on your own sword than, you know, like falling on someone else's is, is actually right. standing strong to the work you want to create. Right. And there's, and there's nothing, you know, uh, uh, wrong about making the, those other shows. I mean, if, if there's the shows that are feeding you, they are, they're giving you that space to create the theater you want to create. By all means, you know, design whatever, man. Design stores, design window displays, design uh, 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 hot dog carts. So it, it's all about finding, making this space for yourself where you can grow at the same time, right? It's not yeah. neither sacrificing yourself for the work nor uh, uh, just marry yourself to the one type of work and, and, never, and never exploring beyond that, mm. uh, uh, you know, boundary because... Because in the end, you are gonna end up stifling yourself too. Yeah, and well, that's exactly it. it. It's 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 being open as well. You know, open to opportunity, right. open to new types of theater, new people, as you said. Um, and and I think also that's that's one thing that I'm really passionate about is that that theater exists around the world in so many different capacities. Like like just the the you know, the theater of Broadway or like the American canon of theater is just one aspect of theatrical tradition, a tradition that has existed for, you know, hundreds of years in different places around the world. Um, and, and I think that is like something also is just to, to learn about the, these kind of traditions, learn about how theater brings people together and unites people. Um, it, it makes me, you know, question, you know, I noticed you have behind you, you've got a bunch of different posters from shows I assume you've been involved in. You also have a mask over there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd love to know a little bit more about that mask. And then maybe from that, like, how has your, I guess, like, experience in theatre across different styles, also connecting to maybe your cultural heritage in, in Mexico, what role does that play in your work? Well, it's, it's a huge part of my work, but the, as a matter of fact, it took me uh, a while to realize that. And, and at first, you know, I had this idea that my style was unique and, 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 and hip and, and new and fresh and whatever. And it took me a lot of time to realize that I was actually drawn from tradition. There was a lot of traditional features about what I do, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of this cultural heritage that permeates my work. Uh, speaking about that mask, for example, right? That's a Balinese uh, uh, mask, but it's, it's, it's a reproduction that I created from a Balinese mask that a friend of mine had. Uh, uh, and I, and I, I was, I'm just enamored with this idea of the mask, with this idea of the transcultural the, the, the transformation, right? The person that becomes another 
that becomes something else. Uh, uh, I think it speaks a lot about this, this very same thing that we're saying, you know, the, the idea that as a designer, you not only have, but must have the plasticity to, to adapt to new styles, to new narratives, to new uh, ways of working even. When I first came to the States, uh, the, the whole production mechanism, you know, the whole production machinery was different here than it is in Mexico. Uh, uh, it's a lot more formal. It's a lot more, uh, uh, um, I want to say, uh, rigid even, right? So learning to work in that, in that, in that regard, right? Learn to work in, in a way that it was a little bit more like nine to five uh, uh, became an experience on its own. Uh, I felt like I was learning yet another language, right? It was not just uh, uh, learning the, the actual language, learning English. It was also learning how to communicate uh, uh, in theater in English, right? And not only in English, but in, in America, right? In the US. So, so it, it, it all comes down to your ability, to your flexibility, like you were saying, you know, to, to let yourself be filled with these components and project back what you have, what you, how you interpret them. Uh, uh, one thing that I've, that I've been told, you know, uh, or, or that I think is, is part of my work is because I'm not uh, from the US, right? Because I'm not, I'm not an American in the, in the US sense of the world, the word, uh, um, I, I can examine American culture from afar. And then when I, when I project it back on itself, right, when I show them what I understand as, as American culture, it, it seems like a new facet, right? But at the same time, all I'm doing is, is taking that experience and filtering through my own cultural heritage. Uh, when I, when I design theater in Mexico, it feels very much like home. And I, I think it's not that distinguishable, right? Like I, like I feel like it's like it's in tone with the rest of the market or the rest of the, the theater scene. But here, I feel like it, it, it really sets me apart because in a sense, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't wanna say it's clear that I'm not from around, but it's clear that my vision is not the vision of a native. I, I'm still, I still have the, uh, the ability to be amazed by things that a lot of people take for granted here, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and I find that to be a very useful tool when I've worked internationally, right? Rather than trying to adapt to their style, rather than trying to assimilate their style, you have to filter their international experience through your culture and then, and then bring back, you know, show back what is that you understand of them? It, all, it also becomes a, a, a bit more humbling. I mean, it, 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 because you're not assuming that you know all cultures and you understand all cultures, you know, in its totality, you are just taking a step back and saying, this is what I see. This is how I understand this, uh, uh, this bit of the, of the story that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm given, right? Uh, what do you guys think, in a sense? Yeah, well, I, I, I love that. And, and in so many ways, that connects to why I started the Story Network. Because my, okay. my whole idea is that is that 
every single person has a story. Like it's their story, you know, from all of their experiences, their memories, the moments, the people that make them who they are. Like all of that is, is shapes how they view the world. And art is, is dependent on that unique lens, is that unique, they become the vessel through which their experience views the outside world. And only them, only them in that moment can project that and share that. And like, there is so much value there. And, and I think like, that's why I love having conversations like this is, you know, that we're able to connect digitally from across the world with completely unique stories. And now our stories get to meet and I get to learn from you and hear your experiences. So I'm just like, like that, that lights me up. I'm, I'm so, so grateful to sort of have you here and, and, and have this conversation. Um, but it, it makes me think, you know, to, to maybe take a little bit of a step back and, and look, you know, you mentioned about sort of the time where you were trying to get your name out there. And, and that process of being in the US now and, you know, having had these experiences, doing your master's degree, now trying to get your name out there. What, what was that experience like? What, what lessons did you learn through that process? And what did you do to actually meet people and get your name out there and get your work out there? Right. So, uh, well, it was definitely the, the, the scariest part of, of coming here. It wasn't so much about you know being able to do the job like like to be able to design uh, uh, or or learning the, the the theatrical mechanisms or the production mechanisms here in the states uh, because in the end that's that's things that you can actually learn right it's, it's just it's just a matter of of, of studying them uh, but the thing is I when I when I came to the States, I had been already been working for almost twelve years, thirteen years, right? So so I I had a network, might have been big, might have been small, but I, I, I had people. I had people that I like to work with, I had people that were relying on me, you know, for uh, uh for for their designs. And the and of course it, it's always complicated when you're afar. So I didn't get to work as much where I used to be, and I didn't get to work as much where I was now because I didn't know anybody. And, and because I, I, I came in here at a point, you know, in, in grad school where uh, the people that I, was, that I was studying with had already, you know, spent half their lives working in theater. They had all these big uh, uh, networks and they, they knew all these people and they knew people from high school and, and college and whatnot that were that were actually making theater that were out there right so for me it became a challenge of how do i get to show my work to as many people as i can in as little time as possible uh because i had this this uh, few experiences in prague right uh, uh and and other uh, international events i knew that that community existed so what I tried to do here was to emulate that same movement and find competitions here. So I started competing in pretty much everything that I could find. I started going to every uh, uh, design fair that I could. I brought portfolios to every convention, every person. I just started giving out resumes like it was, like it was nobody's business. Uh, and I, even that, took time, you know, I remember the very first time that I went to a, a, a job fair, 
uh, it, it's very it's done very differently here in the states than it is in Mexico. So I, I just went around and gave my my resume to people, like hoping they were gonna call me, you know, just because I was I was awesome and I had done all these things. But uh, I actually needed like to apply for a specific thing, right? I needed to show for a job offering and say, hey, I could I could be that person. So so. Again, it was a failure that later became a, a huge uh, 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 knowledge base, you know, for the next time I got to do it. Um, and uh, uh, so, so through that, you know, through the opportunity of approaching other students and professors from other universities and theaters that were there, you know, recruiting for positions or uh, trying to promote their shows, just by by reaching out to this community when i had them captive so to so to speak right when i had them all uh, at once in the same spot it allowed me to get my name out there really fast uh that's how i started getting my first shows that how that's how i got my uh my teaching gigs my first teaching gigs uh and again it was a process again right it was it was starting from square one so i knew i had to go from from square one i couldn't just you know disrespect the journey so i went to theaters i remember the, the very first theater i designed for here uh it's the theater i had I had interviewed for three times and they never called back right they, they weren't interested because they didn't know me and they didn't know anybody who knew me yeah. so they were they had no way of knowing how, how good a worker I was. So I went to them this one time at a, at, a, at a job fair and I said, you know what, you guys don't know me, but I'm gonna make you an offer that you cannot refuse, not, not uh, Godfather style, but it was more like, uh, uh, I, I'm gonna work for you for free. You don't have to do anything, but pay you know, for my, my, uh, uh, my living expenses while I'm there. And that's it. There's no, no, uh, uh, you know, no attachments, no strings attached. If you like it, that's fine. You can call me again. If you don't like it, that's fair, right? Give me your smallest show. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll do your, your small touring show, whatever you have. And they actually gave me that chance. They gave me that opportunity and they liked my work. And, and I started doing that with more people. And they, then they started recommending me. So it, it starts building on this chain, right? That in my case, I didn't have a lot of time to build but uh, uh, because I had this opportunity to reach out to a lot of people at the same time, uh, uh, it, it permitted me to create this, uh, this network. And later on in my career, and, and I, I mean in the last three, four years, because now I have that network, that network allows me to uh, connect with students, you know, with upcoming uh, students, with emerging designers, and offer that network and through that offering, I myself keep on working on my network. I keep, I keep expanding my network. I keep meeting new people. I keep meeting new people who want to meet, you know, new students and, and upcoming uh, designers. So it, it becomes this sort of like feedback loop that allows me to keep on, you know, uh, uh, expanding my presence in, in, in the theater scene. Yeah, I mean that I, I I love that story. Like the the going to the you know offering an offer you can't refuse. I will work for free. You know, right. like like that. I I think is something that is just so important and isn't talked about. Like I just graduated with a theater degree, and like there is no like like 
education around, okay, how do we actually go about getting jobs? Like, like I've got no idea, you know, like, and also, you know, to add on that, I'm an international student who had to come back to my home country. So there's absolutely no resources at all. Um, and, and it's just like, but, but it's exactly that. It's the humility, you know, it's the humility to be like, Hey, you've got no reason to necessarily like trust me or give me a job over anyone else. But I love this and I'm passionate about this and I'm going to give you everything I have and I'll do it for free to prove to you, you know? Right. And, and, and I think like it's that, it's that mindset around, I mean, theater and art and that love of the process and the humility to be like, I'm going to grind it out for the next 10 years, you know, like, right. like, cause we, we're young, like, you know, like all of us, like every, a lot of the people listening to this, you know, myself, you like, like we're young, like we're trying to figure this thing out. And like, as we said at the very beginning, like it's, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we, we've got time to, to, you know, like grind it out and sleep in a, in a, in a, an apartment with eight other people, you know, um, eating two minute noodles. Like if that's what we've got to do to, to get the work out there. But, you know, I, I, I love that story so, so, so much. So um, thank you for sharing that. Um, it, it, it sort of, sort of has me thinking, you know, where, what, what excites you about theatre now? Like, obviously, we're in a period now where there's not a lot of theatre going on. But, mm-hmm. but coming up to this point, like, what is exciting you in the theatre industry that you're seeing? And maybe what do you think needs to start to happen in the future for theatre to stay on? Because, you know, let's be honest, like, we're in a time where, like, most of the theatres around the world are closed. Like, there are a lot of theatre companies, like, big theatre companies. Like, I I know I was talking to someone in Australia, like, one of the biggest theatre companies in Australia, if they don't get a show up in the next six months, they're gone. And that's the biggest theatre. Like, that's one of the ones that actually has the capital. So, So what do you think... What excites you about theatre and what do you think is is the future of theatre now in this sort of like COVID to post-COVID era? Right. Oh, well, this is this is such a, uh, uh, again, I, this is such a humbling experience. The, the, the whole COVID thing has, has made us reframe what we theatres do and what theatre makers do, you know, and in a sense, what excites me about this a lot is the fact that it's taken us back to the beginning, that it's taken us back to, okay, what are the basic components of a performance? What do we absolutely need? Okay, so we need an audience and we need a performer, right? Uh, so, okay, how do, we, how do we communicate that in a space where people cannot be, you know, uh, closer than six feet apart? Uh, how do we get to rehearse in a space like that? How do we get to create a, a casting opportunities, auditions, uh, um, marketing, uh, front of house, all that stuff, you know, because it, theater is a huge industry. But the thing that I've always, always loved about theater is that the result is always bigger than the sum of its parts. You, you create a design and someone else creates some costumes and someone else spends two weeks rehearsing or four months rehearsing or a year rehearsing, right? But when you put it all together, it's, it's, it's so much bigger than all of that, you know, that all of that uh, uh, added on. So the fact that we can still do that and the fact that we are all as a community, you know, as, as a theater community thinking, how do we go back to that? How do we recreate that 
emotion, that 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 uh, um, connection with the audience, right? How do we make them feel safe and excited? And at the same time, how do we how do we tell them about these things that they're feeling now, right? How do we communicate to them that we too are isolated and afraid and nervous, but that there is also hope that there's also stories to be told, you know, that we are still connected, that we are not alone, that we are not, uh, 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 that we're not doomed, you know, in a sense, in a sense, theater is the opposite of doom. Theater is, is this, this beacon of, of hope, of connection, of the, the, the possibility of emerging from, from, any experience, right? Uh, uh, be it uh, uh, Uncle Vanya's experience or the death of a salesman experience or uh, Karahatin Roof experience, any experience, you know, it's, it's all about transformation. It's all about characters that go through hardship, emotional, physical, economical, and they, and they emerge as new creatures to a new reality. And that's exactly what what's happening to us, right? We're in this grueling time. This is our conflict. This is our, our, our turning point. How do we get it? How do we make it to the other side as, as theater makers transformed, right? That is what's exciting to me. The fact that I, me, we all are living in this transitional point, you know, in this, in this turn of the screw where next time, you know, in 10 years, theater might look very different, but it's still gonna be here. You know, not uh, television hasn't hasn't even been able to kill it. Uh, radio didn't kill it. Uh, 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 big musicals didn't kill it. Nothing's gonna kill theater. You know, theater is gonna go on living forever. So it it might change. It might transform. And I'm very excited to see what this new shape uh, 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 that it's gonna take it, uh, it looks like. Right. Um, that's the one thing. Uh, what's what's the future of theater? Man, I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew, but the, the, the thing I can say is I'm very inspired by, by the efforts that a lot of people are making now. You know, I, I keep thinking of uh, Susan Sontag uh, uh, back in, in um, um, I'm, I'm going to be doing a redo of this. Uh, I keep, where was she? Sarajevo? No. Anyway, I kept thinking of Susan Sontag, you know, and, and this, this whole phenomenon of, of performing in, a, in an empty theater or, or making underground theater or making theater just for the sake of making theater, just for yourself, not for an audience, just to, to escape censorship and to, to create this, this sense of freedom, right? And, and, I, and I think that in a sense, when we look back at this, at this day, you know, 20 years from now, we're gonna we're gonna say well that that's when this new form of theater started right that's remember those those shows in Zoom those were the precursors remember those things that happened on glass cages oh well those were the first steps taken to eh, and this and that and that other thing right so so that's what I think is very exciting the fact that we are not stagnant right it's it's a it it feels like a long pause you know like 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 holding your breath on the water for too long but at the same time you know there's 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 an after this right this is not the end it cannot be the end yeah well i, I it's it, it kind of puts everything in perspective again doesn't it like this True. idea of yeah. like wow like 
I think back to the last time that I actually got to sit in a theater and, you know, watch a show and be immersed in that, you know, like, right. like that now means so much more because you're like, wow, like there was a period of time where we didn't yeah. have that. And, and it also, you know, it goes, okay, you're, you're exactly right. Like, how can we make theater that is ex- like more accessible than ever? Like, can we use digital technology right. to mediate the theatrical experience and make it accessible to people that aren't just in the theater itself, but who are all around the world, you know? Like, could this be the shift where theater now, be- right. you know, Broadway becomes accessible to everyone from, you know, their their own room? Like, maybe that's a reality. Like, it, it opens up all these new possibilities. And, and so it's exciting, you know? I think there is, there's all of these new options that we have, all these new right. possibilities to look at. And I think it comes back to these, these points that have come up time and time again in our conversation is, is trust that, that it's going to come back, that, that theater is an integral part of our society and it will continue to be because there are enough people that love it enough who have that deep passion, you know, it's that trust. And then it's the humility to be like, can I make a show in my bedroom with a webcam? You know, and is that, is that theater? You know, and, and okay, it might not be very good, but your practice is still existing. Your practice is still evolving. Right, right, right. It, 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 might not, it might not feel like the thing you had before, but at the same time, it's, it's coming from the same impulse. You know, it's coming from the same vital need to communicate, to create this story, to, to, in, to get someone else involved in, in, in the thing that you have to say. And, and I think that, 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 that is something that, that, it, that can never end, you know, that need to get together. Uh, I'm gonna... and romantic now, but to get to, you know, and if our stories, if, if the bonfire is now a computer monitor, then so be it. Yeah, well, well that's, that's, that's exactly it. You know, like, like we've got to be open to change. We've got to be open right. to to the evolution of this art form, and there's something exciting in that. So, Absolutely. you know, and 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 it makes you know, as as we sort of come to bring this conversation to a close, and and I'm, I, there's so much here that I just could go on for hours about, but I want to be respectful of your time. Now, what what kind of advice would you give to say the the 20 year old the 24 year old who is who is looking to build a career in in theater in the arts and is kind of looking out to the future and being like i just don't know like how i'm meant to go about this from from your, the lessons you've learned what kind of advice would you give to someone like that okay uh well this is this is a tough time to be a 20 something starting your career that's for sure uh uh added to all the, the difficulties that the process has, you know, this, this whole pause, this whole uh, 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 hiatus, uh, this whole uh, suspended status in which we are now, you know, makes it all a, a bit harder. So I would say be, be patient. That's number one, for sure. You know, just, just be patient, just hold on, to your dream don't let it go it, it might feel impossible at times and it's going to be very discouraging at times but you have to hold on you have to hold on because 
that's a, a because it has to come from within, right? It has to obey to a really strong thirst for 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 communicating, for expressing. Which takes me to my other point, which is obey, uh, like respect that impulse, right? You don't. Ha I mean, sure, you can't be in a theater. Grab a camera. You don't have a camera. Grab a phone. You can't have a phone. Go out in your balcony and start putting things together, right? Uh, uh, you can't make a, a, a set now and put it out in the theater. Start making models. Just don't let this which is happening around us, suffocate that thing which is happening inside you. Obey that, respect that, let it, let it grow. Let it, let it turn into whatever shape it has to take now. Tomorrow we'll see if the theater's open, you know, how many seats we get, how the budgets are. But for now, you have to keep on creating. You have to, you have to let yourself create in order to be ready, you know, to be ready for when the, when the time comes and theaters are open and budgets are again uh, 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 what they used to be. So you can, so you have the practice. So you didn't wither away in this, in this, this long pause. And oh, finally, wow. yeah. the, sorry, my, my last okay. piece of advice is, is this piece of advice that I was given, you know, find the people, don't, don't pursue the theaters, don't pursue the structures, the turntables, the big budgets, find the people that are making the theater that you want to make and, and create with them, play with them. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love that. I, I want to, the, the quote you said, don't let the external world suffocate what's inside of you. Like that right. is exactly it, isn't it? It's, it's like, like actually gift yourself the time now because a lot of us have more time on our hands. Gift yourself the time to create, to bring ideas together. Maybe it's writing a script. Maybe it is building those models. Maybe it is thinking about the show that you can make in three years time. Like, right. like let that come out. And, and you're exactly right. Surround yourself with the people that excite you, who empower you, who, who, you know, in, you know, who you aspire to be like. And I think that is, you know, such a beautiful way to sort of wrap up this conversation. And, and I just want to acknowledge you before we go and just say, thank you for, for sharing your experience today. Thank you for sharing your story. I know for me, like it's, it's almost like taking a wave of stress and anxiety about my own creative future off of my shoulders to know that like to trust and to have the humility right now to be like, I'm just going to create and I'm just going to try and like pull it together. And no matter what it sort of turns out, it's part of the process and I'm going to trust that. So thank you for the work that you create. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, and I really hope that we get to connect in person sometime soon in the future. First of all, congratulations. You just listened all the way through our podcast and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you as part of the Story Network community. If you enjoyed the conversation, it would mean the world to us if you could like, share, review, and subscribe to let us know that you're listening. We are on a mission to build the largest and most diverse community of storytellers, creators, and innovators from around the world. And we can't do that without your help. You can check us out on Instagram, at The Real Story Network and over on YouTube and Facebook at The Story Network. My name is Zed Hopkins. You're amazing. And we are The Story Network.
See you next week.